Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Our reading today comes from the Gospel of St. Mark, from chapter 1 and beginning to read at verse 29. As soon as Jesus and his first disciples left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and, begging him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Thank you so much. Well, good morning, everyone, and good morning to those who are joining us from afar. It's lovely to be together. I wonder whether you like learning. How do you feel? What's been, what's been your life experience of being a learner? Perhaps when I, when I ask you that, you've got in mind your time in, in education. Perhaps you're a real star pupil through school and beyond. And in general, there's still nothing that gives you more joy than the type of learning that involves hoovering up vast numbers of facts and opinions and tucking them away in the inexhaustibly large recesses of your mind. Perhaps, on the other hand, uh, academic learning never really floated your boat. You've made great discoveries, but it's been in the workplace or it's been uh, from people, a particular person whom you really respect. Perhaps you're not against the idea of learning in general, but actually uh, you, you have to go to school or college uh, every day, the whole of life seems to be about learning. And in fact, on this one of your precious two days off, you were kind of hoping for a day off learning. Perhaps you struggle to learn. Uh, I, for example, am still, after many years of failure, learning not to put Jaffa cake boxes back in the cupboard after I've eaten the last biscuit. I don't know whether that's something that you struggle with. Wherever you are on all of that spectrum, just stay with me for a moment. Here's another question. I wonder... What have you learnt through your experience of church? <clears throat> what has your reading of the Bible taught you? Have a think for a moment. What do you know now that you wouldn't have done if it hadn't been for discovering Jesus Christ? And what about in an ongoing sense right now? I wonder, in your life as a Christian, are you learning are you still learning from the Lord Jesus? If I asked you what you learned from God this week, would you be able to answer that? Jesus came to do many things. Today, in the next section of Mark's gospel, we're going to see how one of his key priorities was to preach. And where there's preaching to be done, there's a message to be heard and something to be learned. So do get hold of a Bible uh, if you're at home or dial it up on your phone or click on the links below the video to find the text and have a look at that verse right in the middle of the section that we just heard read. Mark chapter 1 verse 38, Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Let's go somewhere else so I can preach there also. That's why I've come. As I was preparing this sermon this week, that much was pretty clear from the beginning of the week. I was pretty sure Mark wants to make a point here, and this is what I am supposed to share uh, with you this morning. Jesus came to preach. And if he came to preach, we are to learn. And I've been praying that each one of us is going to be encouraged this morning to, to become and remain lifelong learners from Jesus. The trouble with this passage, if that's the main point, is that for a passage designed to tell us that Jesus had a great heart for preaching, we don't actually get to hear him preach. In fact, in terms of explicit teaching points, stuff coming out of his mouth that we need to know, presented to a large crowd of people, there's practically no direct preaching content at all. Now, you might say, well, never mind, well done, John, you know, you've done your first five weeks, we've got the basic point, you have a short one today, you can sit down, we'll get the later on bits later on. 
Not so fast. Because as I've been studying this passage, I think I realize there's a deeper point here. It's true that Jesus came to preach. Only Jesus didn't have to open his mouth to do it. The message of Jesus is spoken through his whole life in word and in action. Jesus' proclamation needs to be seen as much as it needs to be heard. Or to put it another way, everything Jesus did preaches. Now, let's see that as we go through this, this passage. Number one, see how Jesus' actions preach that he will restore us physically. See how his actions preach that he will restore us physically. Back to the beginning of the passage, chapter 1, verse 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, he took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. By the way, if you're wondering what's going on here about the demons, not allow, him not allowing them to speak, we're going to come to that a little bit later on. Let's follow the story on for a little bit longer for the moment. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else in the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That's why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Now, in a sense, what I've just described is kind of Jesus 101. Jesus is famous for nothing if he's not famous for going around and healing people and sorting out their lives. And it's incredible what he does, isn't it? Don't you love the way that there's Simon's mother-in-law. She's laid up. This is clearly a big concern for the disciples. And Jesus just takes her by the hand. He lifts her out of bed. And immediately she starts putting on lunch. Just imagine for the moment transplanting that into this crazy COVID world that we're all in at the moment. Into one of those uh, high dependency wards. You imagine the, the four medical professionals in their hazmat suits with those big plastic domes on their heads so they can breathe out of a can. And they're around the patient. And then a man in shorts and a t-shirt just walks through the doors, straight past the hand sanitizer, ignoring it, the face shields, the plastic overalls, and he gives this fever-ridden patient his bare hand. Now, what happens in our world when you do that? You get COVID. But with Jesus, it's the other way around. Apparently, Jesus' health is contagious. You touch him, you get it from him. It's amazing. Amazing. But let's, let's think about this miracle again. Take a moment to think about it. You don't have to be an expert in public health to point out that as a mere doctor, Jesus' healing strategy does beg some questions. I mean, if you're Simon's mother-in-law, it's great. It's fine. And actually, for the people who made it to his clinic that evening who got healed, life-changing. But do you notice what happened? Less than eight hours later... There was a massive queue of patients waiting for Jesus the next morning. Everyone is waiting for you, the disciples said. And Jesus is gone. 
If what Jesus wanted to do is get maximum coverage so that maximum number of patients could be healed, this is not the way to conduct a mobile health clinic. He should have improved his communications for a start. He should have got the wonderful Ian Christie at the back there or someone of his ilk onto it. At least advertise, give people a you know, three days warning. Perhaps he should have got someone to triage the patients. Definitely don't have the doctor disappear and go off to pray in the middle of the clinic. And definitely don't do what he does next, which is he winds up the local religious leaders so that in the end they try and kill the doctor. <laughs> Clearly, maximum health benefit is not Jesus' goal. So what is it? Well, his healings have a bigger purpose. They, they preach. They state something about Jesus and God. They say, first of all, that God's, from God's point of view, sickness is a defect in our world. So when COVID comes on us, we're not supposed to just take it on the chin and say, well, that's just nature taking its course. It's something wrong about it. Number two, like a movie trailer for the kingdom of God, they help us see what it's going to be like when the kingdom of God that Jesus ushered in truly comes in all its fullness. There's going to be healing. And third, like, like the sort of first glimpses of the corner of an oil painting canvas in an artist's studio, it gives us confidence. We can see what he's done on a small scale, and now we have the confidence to believe that he's going to complete what he has promised. So what does this miracle mean for us today? Well, it means that in the midst of COVID, yes, we have confidence to pray for healing, for the virus to subside. That's quite right, for our bodies to recover. But we recognize that the answer to that prayer might still be, not yet. More importantly, though the wait may be long, this miracle reminds us that one day Jesus will definitely wipe out all pain all sickness, all sorrow. And I wonder this morning, do you have that hope? Now those of us who do, we say, come Lord Jesus, don't we? Jesus' actions preach. They preach that he will restore us physically. That's the first thing they preach. Secondly, Jesus' actions preach that he will restore us socially and spiritually. Let's read on. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, leprosy, I don't know whether you come across it. It was a terrible progressive skin disease. Um, over time, the pain turns to numbness. Skin begins to bunch up with deep furrows uh, between the swelling. It was a condition... That not only made the sufferer hurt, but as you can imagine, also made other people stare. And on top of that, the disease also attacks the larynx. So it would give the voice a kind of hoarse and, and grating quality. Sounds scary. At that time, it had no cure. And on top of that, leprosy was seen as a curse. It was a token of religious uncleanness. So you had to live outside the camp. If you had leprosy, you weren't allowed to come near the temple. And people weren't allowed to come near you either, because if they touched you and you had leprosy, they would be unclean as well. Now put that all together, you can imagine what a grim reality this was. To have leprosy meant to be ostracized, to be completely excluded from your community, and with no access to the worship of God either. 
It was kind of the ultimate, desperate shame. Now, keep all that in mind and hear these words again. Feel the edge. A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees. Now, I recognize leprosy may not be a condition that is very familiar for us in the modern world, but the feelings surely are not alien. Here is an encounter that is so familiar. Perhaps there are some this morning, in a sense, who feel like this man, who for whatever reason find themselves living outside the camp, as it were. You too, you feel that shame of exclusion, exclusion from your family and friends perhaps, exclusion perhaps even from your church. And for a long time, you have seen no way back in. More profoundly, perhaps, such as your sense of not rightness. You feel like the great hand of God, too, must be keeping you at distance. As if God is saying to you, you cannot come near me. Well, if that's you, if that's how you feel, see what happened in this moment. It's just a wonderful moment. The man comes up to Jesus. He says, if you are willing, and what it must have cost him to say that, you can make me clean. Now, we don't know how likely the leper thought that he was going to get the answer he was hoping for, but we do know what Jesus felt and said and did in return. Mark chapter 1, verse 41. Jesus, it says, was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Did you see all the things that happened there? It said, first of all, he was indignant. That's what Jesus felt. He wasn't having it. This too was not right that this man should doubt the power and mercy of God to embrace even him. That was not right. That's what Jesus felt. Then see what he says and he does. He reached out his hand and touched the man. Completely against the rules. I am willing, he said, be clean. And instantaneously, this man was restored. Restored physically, of course, but he was restored socially and spiritually too. Once again, he could take his place into the community. People would not be edging away from him wherever he went. And of course, even more importantly, he could once again join the worship of Israel. So if you connected with this earlier, this sense of alienation, well, you need to hear the second half too. If you are desperate that the Lord would accept you, if you are struggling to believe that you would be accepted, Jesus says, I am willing. Be clean. The only question to you, I guess, is will you ask him? And you know, if you're wondering whether you've got the grounds for confidence, just think we have new confidence, even more than this man, because we live on this side of the cross. Jesus on the cross publicly took all our shame and guilt away. He bore it on himself so that we would not have to. And so we've got a new confidence. If we're trusting in Christ, there is no shame that can cut us off from God himself, from his people. In this sense, Jesus' actions preach He's going to restore us socially and spiritually. So Jesus' actions preach. They preach he's going to restore us physically. That he's going to restore us socially, spiritually. 
And finally, I think Jesus' actions preach one more thing. They preach that he is more than all we imagine him to be. What message was it that Jesus preached, I asked earlier? Well, can we only guess? No, I think we, now we have a bit more of an answer. He did have a message to preach. It was his actions, and they preached it loudly. This sermon that Jesus was preaching in action was all about himself. Jesus is going to teach how we should live later on as his followers, but first his teaching was about himself. And if we were wondering what have we learned as lifelong Christian learners, well, I hope that as learners we're realizing that we don't just need to be learners of facts or information or head knowledge. What we mean as Christian learners is that we are to be learners not of facts, of a face. Learners not just of principles, but of a person. So let me ask you this morning, are you eager to learn more of Christ? You know, whether you've been following him 30 years or 30 days, do you want to learn more of him? But just before we go, let's not miss one last riddle in the passage. I mentioned it earlier on. Remember back in verse 34, and it is confusing. Jesus heals all these people with their diseases. He drives out many demons. But it says, he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Now this is confusing. Jesus apparently is really keen for everyone to understand who he is. But at the same time, he seems to be trying to keep it a secret. The demons aren't allowed to speak. And this wasn't a one-off. It wasn't an accident. He does it later on. He does it after the leper's healed as well in a, in a similar, slightly different way. Jesus sends the leper off with a strong warning. Don't tell anyone what's happened. Go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. See, it was the priest's job to declare that someone was healed of leprosy. Now, why does he stop this man speaking? Well, the final verse gives us an idea. Because the man didn't follow the instructions. Instead, verse 45 says, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. Now, is this good? No. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Do you see what's happened here? The demon-possessed came out to an exorcist. The sick came out to a doctor. The excluded came out to be included. And Jesus was an exorcist and a doctor and an includer. But he was all those things and much, much more. His mission was more than any of those things put together. And he could not be holed up in some corner with an enormous queue of patients because he had more to do than that. In fact, if we follow on the gospel, we get to chapter 8, famous part of Mark's gospel. Even when the disciples grasp, he's not just doctor, he's not just exorcist, he's the Christ. They still don't get what kind of a Christ he is. They think he's going to come in with a great army. And he says, no, no, I'm going to go be crucified. It's going to take until the first Easter, in fact, when he dies and rises again, that they really begin to grasp what Jesus is. And the point here is, Jesus is all of these things, but he is much, much more. I wonder what familiar categories you put Jesus in. Do you see Jesus as a superhero? Is he a freedom fighter? 
Is he a great radical? Is he a rabbi? Well, Jesus is all of those things, but he is much, much more. He's Jesus. I had a wonderful professor at theological college who was incredibly tall and incredibly gentle. And he had the brain the size of an aircraft carrier. But he always used to love to sit us down and he'd say, let me remind you, after his however many 40 years of uh, theological uh, seminary teaching, we've all got our L plates on around here. We're all still learning. And the greatest thing we can keep learning is that Jesus is more than all we imagine him to be. I'm not wildly into this kind of thing. I don't always do it. But um, sometimes the Lord seems to speak to, uh, to you through events. Just before I stood up, I got a text message from my friend here. And uh, he shared me some, some words, a prayer. And the prayer has this word, the, these, these words, this phrase in it. It says, living God, plant in me a strong conviction that there is more of you than what my eyes can see. And I think that should be our prayer for this morning. I didn't tell him what I was going to preach, so that's pretty amazing. Perhaps we can close with those words as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you that in the person of the Lord Jesus, his actions preach as loudly as his words, that he is more than all we imagine him to be. And so, living God, plant in us a strong conviction that there is more of you than our eyes can see. And give us a deeply rooted trust that Jesus, our champion, has won the day. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week. Thank you.